Thank you, Isaac. Thank you, everybody. It's great to be here. Yeah, I did come up over from down under. But uh, I don't consider myself an Australian. I, I shook that when I came over. Actually, a, a year before we came to San Francisco, God called us here. We uh, actually had forgotten about Australia. We were still living there, uh, pastoring a great church there, and planting churches out of there. But uh, we had already, our heart had already moved. And, and uh, you know, when the Olympics come, I don't root for Australia. I root for America. I feel more American than, than anything. So uh, the accent's still catching up. But uh, God bless you. Thank you for welcoming me today. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your worship today. Actually, you weren't, you know, I, I, I can really detect that you are, you are, your focus is the object of our worship, the Lord God, and uh, you're lifting him up today. But I want to I speak to you. I want to leave something with you today. I want to impart something on your life and into your heart today. Who's ready? Uh, just very quickly, a little bit about me. I want you to come to Luke 4. Uh, a little bit about uh, Gail and myself and our dog, Fizzy. Uh, we did have another dog called Rugby, uh, passed away. Uh, at, uh, and, uh, but we, we, both my wife and myself, were uh, raised, or we got saved, I was saved at seven, my wife was saved at nine, we were raised in, in church through our teenage years. And, and, uh, but we were career people, we never desired to go into ministry, we always served and volunteered in different capacities in our churches. And uh, so we were late starters. We, as a matter of fact, we, res, we, uh, ref, we were asked many times to come in and, and be pastor or youth pastor or worship pastor or assistant pastor. We said, no, we love our jobs too much. I was a career paramedic and my wife was a high school teacher and we, we were into careers and, and, uh, and just doing what we did. And, but So at the age of 30... We, uh, we felt the draw of the Holy Spirit and we finally said yes. But it's been a great adventure since then. And uh, uh, I actually am planted a church in, in Newcastle, Australia, which is just above Sydney. And, and uh, we actually, my wife and I helped, and our church helped plant or helped whole, uh, the whole Hillsong movement get going. We're great friends with Mark and Darlene Check. Um, we're great friends with Pastor Brian and Bobby Houston. And... Uh, and the whole C3 movement all around the world is all growing and, and it's all good. So uh, pray that you don't get a little bit of an Aussie today. You actually get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 14 to 18. And my question today is, is uh, what is on you? Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue who knows it's good to go into the synagogue? <laughs> yeah. As was his custom, he stood up and read and the scroll of the prophet was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, or the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Everyone say, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord, say it, Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. Who believes that? You know, I'm going to ask you that question. What really is on you? What's on you? You know, there's a lot of other stuff on us. But you know what? The Spirit of the Lord wants to be on you. Is it visible to anybody else? Is, it, is the Spirit of the Lord tangible in your life? Is, it really, the, is really the Spirit of the Lord on you? 
Or is the Spirit of the Lord just around you? In your environment, in your atmosphere? Yeah. Is the Spirit of the Lord on you? Yeah. Or is there something else on you? I wonder today whether there's another motivation on us. You know, I found that most people have one of four motivations in their life. They have an inner motivation for either success and perhaps you today, in a spiritual context, you want to be successful. The inner drive in your life is to be successful in ministry. To, uh, another, another motivation is security. Will I be secure in my future? And there's a drive within people, such a strong drive. Another one is approval. Will people accept me? Will people love me? Will people validate me? Will people value me? That's an incredible uh, motivation. Oh, and then there's other people that have this motivation of, of comfort. And, and, and comfort is a, uh, more to do with, you know, I, I just need my life to be looked after. I, I, they're seeking pleasure, the pleasures of the flesh, the pleasures of, of, of items and, and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, uh, a lot of these things, you know, success and, and comfort and security and approval, they're all good things. They're all good things, but when good things become the ultimate thing, it becomes a heart idol. And often that is what is on us instead of the Spirit of the Lord is on us, instead of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord being on us. And I, I know as a pastor that, that it doesn't exclude me from, from leaking. I, you know, the, the, the anointing abides in me, but the faith to exercise and to receive and to enter into that anointing leaks out of me. Faith is something that needs to be continually be increased in our life and, in, and I, I have to press into this to have the Spirit of the Lord upon me. I found that the Spirit of the Lord uh, rests on two things in my life. It rests on the anointing, that's the call of God upon my life and it also rests on faith in my life. And I know that I am anointed to do, to do certain things. You are anointed to do certain things. But, you know, we can be anointed but still not have faith. We, we don't have a spirit of faith in our life. And so we're, we're, we're operating, we're called, we're anointed, but there's no spirit of breakthrough because faith is dormant. Faith, is, And I want to speak to you today about what is on your life. And I actually believe that, that uh, God wants to be all over our lives all the time. Uh, the spirit of the Lord rests upon anointing and the spirit of the Lord rests upon faith. And you know that the Spirit of the Lord rests upon anointing. You know that. You know, the Spirit of the Lord rests upon the anointing. What is anointing? It's brokenness to His will. You know, the, you know you've heard people speak about the five ingredients of, of the anointing oil, the calamus, the, the, uh, which is the cane, uh, which, and the cinnamon, and the cassia, and the myrrh, and the olive oil. They're all ingredients that all stood for something which... which, which which cleanses ourselves of, of dead works, which, which causes us to have the zeal for God's house and, and passion for Him. The anointing rests on all those things, brokenness to His will, but the anointing rests on something else. And I want to talk to that about faith. The Lord rests on faith. When the Spirit of the Lord is on you, you have faith in you. Amen. Now look at Galatians 3.14 because here's a little promise, something I've never seen before. Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Everyone say that, say that I might receive 
the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord. Everyone say the Spirit of the Lord. So the promise of the Spirit of the Lord is rests on us, the Bible says here, through faith. Everyone say through faith. You, we, need, we receive the promise of the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? He, that's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We can receive that Spirit by faith because it's been promised to us. So what is faith? Can anyone give me a tangible definition of faith right now? Anyone give me a definition of faith? Yeah. You know, that is the only definition in the whole Bible of faith is Hebrews 11. Now faith is. Everyone say now faith is. Faith is a substance. Yeah, it's, it's tangible. It's real. It's actually a real substance. It's substantive. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the way of God. Look, God doesn't just move in raw power. He could if he wanted to. But he, his way is to do things not by raw power, but by faith. And in the Bible we see people, Noah built an ark by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that by faith Noah built an ark. By faith Abel offered a better sacrifice. By faith Abraham obeyed and went to a land that he never knew where, where he was going. By faith uh, Sarah conceived, though she was past the childbearing age. Faith is one of the greatest tools that God can put in our hand to serve us to do what God has called us to do. And everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. Everyone has been given a measure of faith. But, but according to the Bible, according to 2 Corinthians 10.15, it can be increased. And that's what I want to do today. I want to leave an impartation of an increase in the spirit of your faith. I haven't come to talk about it. I've come to release something into you, into your spirit, that your faith would rise up. Because I realize that my faith, uh, for my calling in God, I have to keep in that zone, in that spirit of faith. If I don't, if I don't continue to minister faith into my own life, if I don't begin, you know, just not do the disciplines, but I, if I don't uh, r- r- speak into my life, if I don't get the Word of God into my life, if I don't have a faith attitude and a faith bent in my life, I leak. (laughs) You know, I drain out. I I get into works. I get into hope only. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to encourage you that faith is a spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, I believe therefore I have spoken since I have that same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak. Faith is the currency that God uses. Faith is like electricity. You know, and uh, you know, and, and you know, often the things that we do in life are beginning to become like a big rubber pad, and the electricity can't get through that rubber pad. But I want to be a deep well. I know the the, the electricity hits water, and it's a conductor of that electricity, and and that's what faith is. I want to be a conductor of that, and faith is what really pleases the Lord, right? It's what really pleases Him. Without faith, it's in what impossible to please Him. But it's not faith in faith. And this is the mistake of the church. Is that we preach about faith and we begin to put our faith in faith in putting, instead of putting our faith in God. So when I speak about faith, I don't want you to put your faith in faith, but put your faith in the author of our faith 
and the finisher of our faith. And Paul wrote, he says, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And I can't think of anybody who's doing anything great for the Lord that's living in timidity, that's living in anxiety, that's living shrunk back, that's living in a pullback life. You know, that never pleases God. Those people that are doing something great for God have actually stirred up the spirit of faith. They've, they've got to God and God has increased their level of faith on the measure that they've already been given. Amen. You know, you know, a good mental attitude does not really change your life. It does help. But, faith, you, know, you, know, you know, the Bible talks about that Jesus lived in faith and he also died in faith. Amen. <laughs> You know, when he died, he, he knew that he was going to be risen again. So he died in faith. Now, um, uh, when you're dead, a mental attitude won't get you back to life. A good mental attitude won't raise you up from the dead. Only faith will raise you up. And so we need, when we're down and when things like a pile on top of us, we feel like we're buried in our stuff, uh, stuff a good mental attitude won't just do. You need the spirit of faith that sees beyond your situation. Amen. And let me talk about a few things that faith does. Faith does. First, that faith desires. Everyone say, faith desires. Faith desires. You know, desire is the beginning of faith. Therefore, I say unto you, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Where does faith start? Faith starts with desire. Hebrews also talks about desire in the context of faith. What, faith is the substance of things desired or hoped for. Isn't that good? So, so, so you're going to say, Lord, increase my faith. Well, how about increasing your desire? You know, we think desire is wrong. Whoever said, God said, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you don't desire for something to happen, you're not then really going to believe that something is going to happen. (laughs) Just because you desire something good to happen doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen. And what we, you know, we, it's not the merit of what you're doing that necessarily attracts God's favor and blessing. It's not the sincerity of what you're doing that attracts God's favor and blessing. It's the faith that you have that attracts God's favor and blessing. I can be sincerely a Christian and stay average and stay normal. But if, if I have faith in my life, wow. And you know, you've even, you hear about people who, who, whose character isn't all that so good, but they've still got incredible faith and they achieve great things. Now, I'm not advocating having bad character. I'm advocating having great faith and increasing your faith. Yeah, and God's Spirit responds to people of faith, to the spirit of faith. And we need to switch from need-based living and, 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 and sincerity-based, oh, I'm a sincere Christian, or, or merit-based, you know, oh, I deserve this because I've been a good person. We, don't, we need to switch from that kind of thinking and that kind of living to faith-based living, where we do everything by faith. Yeah. And if you desire the Bible says, to be a pastor. You desire a good thing. Yeah. 1 Timothy 3.1 Whoever desires the position of a bishop desires... You are allowed to desire good things. 
And often there's this wrestle within us as believers and people going into the ministry that, you know, should I be desiring all these good things? God says yes. For a start, why don't you begin to desire the spiritual gifts? <laughs> desire them. Everyone say desire. You see, God, you know, God loves to be desired. And he said to Bartimaeus, what do you desire? <laughs> and Bartimaeus said, that I might see. Again, bam, it happens. So faith starts with desire and he's speaking to us about it. And he puts that desire in his heart. Faith is desire. Faith desires. Now faith also does something else. Faith feels. And I want to talk about this because we've, we've, we've given feelings a bad rap when it comes to faith. A really bad rap. You know, but I want to say that feelings are a very legitimate part of your Christian walk. And feelings are a very legitimate part of your faith. Because faith is, I, want to, I would actually like to say to you today, I want, this might shock you, but faith is a feeling. The Bible says faith, when it defines faith in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance actually is interpreted confidence. Faith is the confidence and the assurance of things hoped for. What is confidence and assurance? It's a feeling. Hello? Ah. People are moved to do things by feeling. They're not moved to do things by logic. The last car that you bought... You didn't buy that because of logic. You bought that because you fell in love with that baby. Right? You, the person that you're dating, you didn't, you know, if you're allowed to date here, right? Um, uh, you know, it's not logic that brings you together. It's a feeling. And so there is a role of feeling in faith. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. And feelings come from God because God feels. Feelings come through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit and our job is to switch on that feeling of faith. Switch it on. So faith desires, faith feels, faith also trusts. Everyone say trusts. Uh, now we know this, it's like Sunday school stuff, right? But faith trusts. Paul trusted that God would get him out of prison. And, Paul, and Peter trusted that God would get them out of prison. And so they sang. <laughs> they sang because they trusted that God would get them out. But listen to Hebrews 3.12. But whoever has doubts, whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. So... Faithlessness is living in the realm of doubt instead of trusting. And this is my big problem with evolution. I'm not going to go there today. It's because evolution undermines our faith and trust in the creative power of God. It actually undermines our trust and faith in the creative power of God. It says things just happen by themselves. But God is the designer. God is the creator. And the devil constantly fights in our life as, as believers to undermine and get us doubting his power, get us not trusting his provision, get us not trusting his spirit, get us not trusting his increase for our life. 
And he did that to Jesus. He said, if you, he not only gets us to doubt things about, about circumstance, but he gets us to doubt things about ourselves. He said that, you know, if you are the Son of God, if you really are the Son of God, you know, he's so trying to sow doubt, trying to sow doubt, trying to sow doubt, trying to sow doubt. And if all we do is live in our world with faith happening around us, but we're still doubting ourselves and doubting the call of God in our lives, the Bible refers to that. If we don't live by faith, it's sin. Mm. So faith desires, but faith also sees. Everyone says faith sees. Faith sees not with the natural eye, but with the eye of heaven. Now let me explain that. Faith sees not with the natural eye, but reveals what God sees. Faith has to do with revelation. Genesis 15, 15. I want you to come there for a moment. Genesis 15, 15. Look at this. It's the story of uh, uh, Abram before he was called Abraham. The only difference between Abram and Abraham was a huh in the, in the middle of his name. Or actually it's yeah. It's a yeah for Yahweh. And God, when God changed his name, he put the element of God in there. Abraham. Hum. Yeah. I need some hum in my life. Uh, and he did it with Sarah. It was before it was Sarai. But he put Sarah. You need some huh in your life. Uh, oh, God. Oh. Genesis 15, 15. No, I won't go. Uh, so, sorry, I'll just... Genesis 5 it is. Um, 15, 5. Then he bought... Then, uh, then God bought... Abram outside and said now look toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them and he said to him so shall your descendants be but look at verse 2 because God had given Abram the promise of a son of generations but Abram said in verse 2 Lord God what will you give me now remember I'm talking about faith sees alright faith sees S-E-E-S faith sees Abraham said Lord God what will you give me seeing I go childless. Abram at this point in his life had been given a promise, but he's saying to God, Lord, see, I go childless. What he was seeing was childlessness. He was seeing childlessness. What will you give me seeing I go childless? And the Lord said, Come outside of your tent and let me give you seeing from my perspective. Look up at the stars of the sky. Look how many. That is how many your children are going to be. So faith sees, but it doesn't see from our natural viewpoint. It sees from God's viewpoint. Can you say amen? That's how you stir your faith up. That's how faith gets going. And you know, we often see in a very linear way. And we just see often, we, we never see from A to Z, we only ever see from A to B. 
But God is at the, if He's the author and the finisher of our faith, that means that this is the beginning of time, at the end of time, and He sees right down. And that's why God, when God prophesies over your life through somebody, He actually speaks to your future because He can see what is down the road 25 years, 50 years, whatever. He can see it and call that as it is because that's where you're going to be. But you can't see it. You can't, you know, you can, oh, well, I hope that happens. But when we get out of our tent and get looking up at the stars and see the promise that God has given to us and see a little bit by faith what God has for us, then we move into it. Can someone say amen? Some, something else that faith does, faith asks. And let me define asking for a moment. Because some say that if you ask ten times and after ten times you receive, then the first nine times you ask were actually unbelief. But I don't believe that. I believe faith keeps on asking. Faith is persistent, it doesn't give up. You keep asking not because you are losing heart, you keep asking because you're certain in your heart. You're certain in your heart. And Jesus taught us to pray like that. Men ought always to pray and to not give up. He doesn't say pray faithless prayers, he says pray faithful prayers. Keep knocking on that door. Keep knocking on that door. It might be embarrassing that you don't see the answer yet, but persistence is part of what faith is. Do not give up. Do not cancel out. Here's a good one. We've talked about all these things faith is, but here's a good one. Faith receives. Everyone say faith receives. Yeah. This is Faith receives. This is about actually having a thing before you actually receive a thing. Or actually, can I say that a little, a little better? Faith is about having a thing before you, you've actually got it in your hand. Faith is having the promise in your heart before you, you receive it in your hand. You receive it in your heart before you actually receive it in your hand. It's the point where you've broken through in prayer and you know that it's yours. Faith receives. You have it in your belly. And you have it inside of here in your Noah. It's reality on the inside. And look again at what Mark 11 says. Let's go to Mark 11. So important we, we just validate this one. This is, this is awesome. Mark 11 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Everyone say, believe that you receive them. What happens next? Then, Jesus said, you shall have them. You've got to believe that you've received before you actually have. It's like looking on the, on the radar. The, the guys in the traffic control tower, they look on the radar and their screen and they see a blip, blip, blip. They actually cannot see the plane, but they see it on a screen. And that's what faith is. It sees it. It knows it's there without having tangible evidence. It's just airwaves that are telling them, you know, microwaves or whatever, radio waves that are telling them that, that thing is there. But that's what faith is like. Faith is like, is like you know, an ultrasound of a pregnant mum and they put the jelly on the mum's tongue you know, and they rub that thing or the, 
the mum can feel something in there, but doesn't really know what's in there, but can feel something. Everyone tells her it's a baby. But when she sees that image after having that paddle rubbed on her tummy, bam, that, she, wow! There it is. Now, I wonder if the Lord came and put an ultrasound on you today. Is there something alive in, in you? Is there something moving? Is there something stirring? Is there something happening on the inside of you? And a lot of people don't want anything from God and don't receive anything from God because there's nothing on the inside. You've got to have something on the inside. You've got to be able to receive. And the Bible says, again, in, in Mark 11, 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray... Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Someone say, I'm going to believe that I receive, and I shall have. Can you say amen? I've got one more, one more point. Faith speaks. Someone say, faith speaks. Yeah, faith does so many things. It sees, it receives, it desires, it feels, it asks, it speaks. Faith speaks. In Mark eleven twenty three, the verse before. For assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, whoever says or speaks to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he shall have whatever he says. Three times in that one verse, the Lord is pointing out to us the power of speaking. Faith speaks. We have to learn to say things over our world. God is going to bless me. God is going to help me get through. I've got favor on my life. The power of God is on my world. You know, whenever I get up to preach, I say, Lord, you are on me. The anointing is on me. But even more than that, Holy Spirit, you're on me right now. When I come into an altar call time, I say, Lord, your, 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 your healing is in my hands right now. Thank you. And, and I, whatever I say, It shall happen. When your intent is to serve God and His purposes. And faith works through the cooperation of heart and mouth. Heart, you received. Mouth, you speak. The Bible says it within your heart, you, you believe the Lord Jesus. And with your mouth, you confess Him and you're saved. The cooperation of heart and mouth. And so it is in our life. Do you think our, our faith just stops there when we're saved? No, it's called to live a life of faith. It's the cooperation of heart and mouth. And I love this idea of what we say is so important and how we say it and to whom we say it is so important. You know, what we say was never, was, what you say was never first created for communication. Words were first created for creation, for you to create things. The Lord said, let there be light. That wasn't to communicate, that was to create. We just think that we, we're to use words to communicate something, but you know God wants you to use your words to create something. Come on, if you're going to give the Lord a hand, give him a real hand clap. 
He creates. So faith is all these things. But faith also steps out. Faith cuts all the bridges. It burns all the bridges behind us. It steps out on the water and says, Lord, I know you've called me and I know you've got me. Here I am to serve you.